Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 105 of Freight 360. Ben, it's September, man. We're in. We're almost in fall. Yeah, I'm feeling the weather break down here. It's finally gotten a little less sticky, we'll say, and I'm moving into the best time of year down in South Florida. There you go. Today, it's sunny and 75, as Joe Nichols would say here in uh, Orchard Park, New York, getting ready for the kickoff of the football season. We're going to touch on that in a second. But hey, welcome back to Freight 360. If you've been with us for a while, and if you are brand new here, welcome to Freight 360. I'm glad you found us. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll get the latest content as soon as we drop our new episodes Friday at midnight, Friday morning, midnight Eastern time. Leave that five-star review. Helps us rank good on iTunes and share us with all your friends in the industry. Today, we're going to talk about geography and why it matters in freight brokerage. Just some little tips and tricks to think about when you're brokering freight. Um, but I want to get into some sports here really quick. Ben, you, you were, we were just talking about it before we started the recording. Um, what was the, what was the golf match? So yeah, the PGA wrapped up, like it is the final tournament of the year. It's the points race, kind of like they do at NASCAR, but in golf and Patrick the FedEx cup. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that it is the FedEx cup standings. Um, Patrick Cantlay with 4,300 points ended up taking the event on last weekend. Yeah. It was a huge payout. Like, I mean, it's the whole year in aggregate. So they were even saying like, you know, Patrick Cantlay and John Rom were only a stroke or two off each other going into the final stretch. And it was just interesting because they're like, this putt's literally worth $8 million. And then there's yeah. a guy in third and fourth. They're like, this putt's worth 750 grand. And it's just funny because like, it's literally like the money game. It's the aggregate of the whole season. So it's one of my favorite events to watch at the end of the year. Nice. On the NFL side, uh, if you're listening on Friday, then last night you would have seen the season opener for the NFL, Tampa Bay hosting Dallas. Obviously we are recording this before the game. It's Wednesday currently. Um, I think, you know, Tampa Bay being the reigning Super Bowl champs, I don't predict a huge hangover from the Super Bowl for them. And I think they're going to, um, I'm thinking they're going to hand it to Dallas. I, I, I don't have much doubt about that. Um, what's awesome though, is similar to the last year and I think the last two years, uh, our, my bills against your Steelers on Sunday, we're hosting you guys here at the newly named Highmark stadium. I think it's called here in Orchard Park. Um, also, the Bills did announce uh, additional plans, or there's rumors about it, for a new stadium to hold like 60-some thousand folks um, to be completed in 2027, I think it is. Um, $1.4 billion or something like that split between the ownership of the Pagulas and the, the local taxpayers or government or whatnot. That's so awesome. The Bills, What's I'm the line? Sure are going to hand it to Pittsburgh. Though. What's the line? Anyway. Six and a half is the last I saw. Buffalo favored. Um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm so excited. Obviously I'm a huge bills fan and I'm looking forward to a great season. ESPN had a, had an article that came out a couple of days ago. They did a, a simulation of the entire season and they had Buffalo winning the Super Bowl. So <laughs> that's we'll awesome. Had them beating green Bay, but that's uh, why they play the games as they say. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was weird though. It had Buffalo like five and three to start the season or something like that. The first eight games. Um, but who knows? I think 
Um, week one, Pittsburgh is going to be – it should be a, a really exciting game and a good win for Buffalo. Um, but, hey, you never know. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it next week and see what happened. But I'm just so excited football's back. Fans in the stands. Tailgating's back. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. So all is right in the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's the final drive of the regular season for baseball right now. The American league, uh, looks to be a wild card race for the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. So I'm curious to see how September finishes out. I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan myself, but, um, getting, getting ready for postseason come October. This is a great time of year. If you're a sports fan, I just love it. So, but yeah, anyway, we're going to talk about geography this week on the episode and some Q and a that we got here, but Ben talk to us about our friends over at DAT before we hop into it. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT, the DAT load board network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane, grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of DAT Power, Express, or Trucker's Edge. That's right. Absolutely. Good stuff. So geography, the reason that we're doing this topic today, um, this popped up in a coaching session we did earlier this week with our group coaching. And hey, if you're not part of our Freight 360 group coaching, or if you're not enrolled in Freight Broker Basics course, which gives you a free month of group coaching, make sure to check it out on our website at freight360.net. Um, but this this discussion of, you know, why does one lane pay this and our lane pays that and the demand's different? And it brought up a good discussion on geography in general. And I've talked about it many times. One of the most important things that I have in my home office is a map. I have a map on my wall. I even drew lines on there with a Sharpie marker that can't be erased uh, of the time, time zones. zones. Yeah, but it's a good reference, man. I mean, one of the things I think people often have heard the the strange thing like, oh, did you know that Reno, Nevada is further west than Los Angeles, California? And it is barely, but it is just the way that California kind of kicks in eastward towards the southern tip of it. Um, but in general, geography is is a big factor in a lot of things that happen in the freight brokerage world and transportation and logistics in general. Um, I want to start off by using a, a good example, and we talked about this on the coaching session, but Boston, Massachusetts, right? Home of Sam Adams beer, the Boston Red Sox, Fenway Park, uh, the movie Green The Monster. Town, um, a, a slew of actors, including, I think, Mark Wahlberg, right? And all kinds of good stuff in Boston, right? The Salem Witch Trials up in Salem. But think about where Boston is located geography, geography as far as geography in the United States, right? It's in the Northeast, okay? So the first takeaway here is think about sending a truck into Boston versus sending a truck out of Boston. And you can even zoom out. This could be the Northeast in general, the whole New England region. Okay. The first thing is just think about where can a truck go? Looking at my map, they definitely can't go east because you're going to be driving into the Atlantic Ocean. All right. There's not a whole lot north you can go. There's not a lot of cities up north to send a truck to. Um, and you really, you pretty much have to go southern and western. So, like a southwest outbound route with Boston. Okay. So, I want you to think about that first. And the second part I want you to think about 
is think about how much the city of Boston, Massachusetts consumes. So inbound freight versus how much Boston, Massachusetts produces or outbound freight, right? There's not a huge balance there. They are consuming metropolitan area. They don't produce as nearly as much as they consume as a population. So what does this mean? That is going to affect the demand for trucks to want to get out of there versus trucks that want to go in there, which will then correlate to pricing. And Ben, this will happen just about anywhere in the United States based on that city and any lane that's going to incorporate that city as an origin or a destination. So that's why we want to talk about geography today. So if you don't have a map, get one, put it on your wall and make sure you can reference it whenever you need to. So well, and I think the bigger point of view, and we cover this, you know, in our coaching call or yeah, in our coaching call in our session, when we talked about this, right? From a macro perspective, the entire economy runs in seasons and for a lot of different reasons. Um, and the produce affects the trucking market on a national basis all of the time. So what you have are you have carriers that are following what is coming up in harvest seasons, whether it's in the bread basket, you know, up through the side of California, we've got a lot of defined bread basket for me, for those that don't know it. So the bread basket is the geographical area in the U S where I, a great majority of our produce is grown. Would you call that like the great plains? I'm actually going to define it right now because I'm curious. The Midwest. I'm curious. I've, I've never used that term. I've heard you say it before though. Uh what is the breadbasket of the United States? It is, yeah, it's considered the Midwest, it says, because Midwest farmers grow a lot of the wheat that we tend to use to make bread. But honestly, anecdotally, I'd always kind of refer to it as kind of the area where Midwest kind of met California, just because that's where a lot of the produce comes out of. Um, so guy was absolutely incorrect, but regardless, it is an area right where things <laughs> but are But no, growing, you make right? a good point, though. It's a region, and regions have different things that they're going to produce and different times of year that they're going to produce and ship goods out of. And if you want to see a produce calendar, we've got one up on our website on one of the downloadables that shows you what's coming into season, where these trucks are headed and how that affects pricing. Because to Nate's point, right? Like what these areas produce is not a 12 month production. It is a small window, sometimes six to eight weeks where production goes through the roof and then falls off. And what that does specifically to Nate's point in the Northeast is if you look at Florida, a lot of produce is grown and you can see rate per mile shift drastically when produce hits and then drastically shift again once it's over. And that happens literally all around the country through different periods all year long. Yep. Florida is a great example. It's a peninsula, right? Geographics alone plus produce season is is a great example of this. So if you send a truck into Florida, whether or not it's produce season, keep that aside, they can really only go north, okay? Think about a drastic example, Key West, right? Let's say that yeah. somebody somebody has a, there's a construction site, they're building in a new hotel or a new whatever in Key West and they need to ship in all the building materials. It's going to cost a lot of money to send a flatbed into Key West because there's one highway in and one highway out and they're not going to be bringing a, a load back out of there. And I think that's a good, and I want to cover this too, a little bit when we talk about geography, like what deadhead means and what that means to a carrier and like how you pay for it, because that's what's reflected in the rates and what you see, right? So for instance, if you needed to book a load with a carrier that needed to go to Key West, 
The next city where there's really any outbound loads is Miami, which is honestly a three or four hour drive by truck from Key West. Yeah. So what you need to factor in is if you're a carrier and you want to put yourself in their shoes to understand why they're asking for the rate that they are, they would need to drive usually all the way empty from Key West before they hit Miami, before they're going to get a load that is going to take them anywhere. If so they can they, even get a load. Yeah. If they can even get one, right? Sometimes they've got to drive to the middle of Florida, sometimes to Northern Florida to get an outbound load. So when they are booking that load from a driver standpoint, they're like, hey, I know I will have to be empty coming out at least four hours from Key West. So sure, I'll go down there and run to your construction site, but you've got to pay me for what I know are going to be empty miles when I leave. Yep. And that's why that rate gets inflated because you're literally paying for what they know is going to be an empty drive time. Yeah. So deadheads will happen a lot too. Think about um, West Texas and Oklahoma in the oil field market, right? Mm -hmm. There is a big demand, Huge especially right Texas. now to get pipe moved into oil fields. And a lot of time the location Odessa. for the delivery yep. is it just... It's going to be a um, latitude, longitude, like coordinate set. Like, hey, mm -hmm. here's the oil field, right? And there's yep. dirt roads to get there. They are not picking up another load down the street to go outbound to their next delivery. They're going to be driving quite a ways. And that's what that term deadhead means. They're going to be deadheading a bunch of miles to get to their next pickup. And so, that's common, by yeah. the way. And I wanted to go a little bit further than this because I want people to understand how I look at a map and honestly, how you look at a map and why they're so important, right? So when you're pricing loads that are coming out of, we'll just say Houston to West Texas, there's literally nothing coming back. So what the carriers need paid for is in most cases, in a lot of cases, like round trip. And that's why those rates are what they are, which seem yeah. odd when you look at the number per mile. But once you look at a map and you see there's literally no cities, it starts to make a little more sense why geography affects rates as much as it actually does. Yep. Um, and on the flip side of this, let's look at some larger metropolitan areas that don't have the same effect, right? Your Chicago's, Atlanta's, St. Louis. I mean, depending on the time of year, this stuff can shift, but a lot of these cities can be producers as well as consumers. And they're also on the way to other big areas or they're yep. located near other big areas that are going to have outbound freight. So, um, Sending someone to Chicago is going to be a lot more beneficial than sending them to, you know, Bangor, Maine or, you know, Central Florida when it's not produce season. Or yeah, Casper, Wyoming. I'm going to ask you a question on this, Nate. And I'm curious if you've experienced the same thing. When you are posting loads or um, when an agent's posting a load, I've noticed that drivers, even though it's the same mileage and even though it's the same time, tend to not want to drive in opposite directions. And I'll tell you what I mean by this. And I'm curious if you've seen the same thing. So let's say you've got a load from, we'll say, Missouri to California. We'll keep it very broad, right? Um, you will usually be able to source carriers that want to go to California from the states or cities that are east. Like they want to keep moving in the direction towards California. So I've found that like even when you post loads, if you post for like a city that is farther, but going in the same direction, you will have more luck finding a truck than usually if you post it to a city where they've got to drive there and turn around. For instance, like I know I've covered loads with a driver from Illinois that's picking up in Missouri that wants to go to California, but I don't think I've ever booked a load with a carrier that is in Kansas 
that was the same dead miles to Missouri where he had to turn around to go to California. Oh, yeah. There's, there's like a psychological a, aspect. Yeah, I think driver there's, there's doesn't probably want to a the psychological aspect to it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, I don't have a good I don't have a good answer for you on that. I think if it was me and I just think about driving my car, it's going to be the psychological aspect. I'd be like, that's not on the way. Right. right? And that's but, exactly what you, know, you hear. But yeah, it's like, well, I'm paying you the dead miles, 150 empty, whether you're driving from Illinois to Missouri or, you know, 150 driving from the opposite direction. It's literally the same distance, but there's a hesitancy on a dispatchers and the carrier side. They're like, yeah, that's just not my way. And it's like, what does it matter? You're going to stop to load anyway. Does it matter if you make a left or a right turn out of the shipper? Like same mileage, but I've never actually been able to convince a carrier to go the opposite direction. Yep. Um, so I want to talk about a couple of the hot regions of the U.S. that we can kind of identify as non, uh, non-desirable locations, right? So we already talked about the Northeast, right? So you've got like Boston, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, that Maine, that whole area, right? Because there's not a lot of outbound stuff. Um, New York City is a great example too. And it's not just because of where they're located on a huge level in the U S but geographically speaking, if you send someone into like Manhattan or parts of the Bronx, geographically speaking, they have to, there's certain bridges, there's uh, tolls that are involved in it. There's huge tolls. There's the congestion and traffic that goes through there. And some drivers, they will refuse to take a load into the New York city area, like Hunts point market for produce. They won't do it. We've had a driver, that literally claimed he didn't know he was going to Hunts Point in the Bronx and stopped in, um, I think it was in Pennsylvania and was like, I'm not going there. You got to send someone else to swap the trailer. I'm not going there. I'm not doing it. Um, the same thing happens. Um, think about the weather at times of the year, right? So some drivers, we both have said this, they won't go north of the Mason Dixon if there's snow over the winter time. They just won't do it. I've been Especially driving long flat, enough. Yeah. I have been drivers. Yeah, I mean, and they feel like, and it's almost like like a rite of passage, like journeymen in other industries where like, and I have a really good friends that are drivers that you meet over years and you work with for a long time. And I remember them saying, they're like, look, like I don't have to, to be honest. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, I'm getting older. I'm in my fifties. I don't want to be schlepping around the back of a flatbed and chaining something in 30 degree weather or 20 degree weather. I'm going to stay where it's warm. Yep. And I don't really need to go that way. So you will literally see flatbed capacity kind of shift south as it gets colder and yep. it becomes harder to find them up north. Yeah. Um, you'll get the same with California. Some drivers will refuse to go into California with their Environmental regulations, carb regulations, yep. carb regulations. Yep. Um, another example is the any border locations. So the Canadian border is a lot different because there's a lot of dual authority carriers. So like Buffalo, for example, we directly border Canada. There's three bridges from uh, New York to Canada in the Buffalo area, and a lot of these carriers will um, they'll cross border quite often, so it's not a big deal. But, you but go let's the, go basics. Go back yeah. Barney style and explain what the normal regulations are to go from country to country. Um, well, so you have the USMCA, which is formerly NAFTA, which does allow free trade throughout North America with US, Canada, and Mexico, but that doesn't mean that a lot of carriers will want to do it. And that's based on the regulations of how trucking is, is uh, managed right. in the specific country. So obviously the U S is very, uh, very clearly stated how it's managed and regulated. Canada is pretty good as well. So you'll, you'll have a lot of carriers that 
can drive in both the US and Canada and they have dual authority to do so and there's no issue. Mexico is a different story. It's kind of the wild, wild. I mean, even Canada's kind of the wild, wild best at times when it comes to regulating trucking. Um, Mexico is even worse. So, yeah. And I mean, US. typically a Canadian carrier can pick up in Canada, deliver yep. to the US, pick up yep. in the US and deliver to Canada, but they typically can't pick up and deliver within the US and vice versa. Yeah. Usually. Uh, yeah. It depends. It depends on how their, how their authority is set up. Um, you'll get a lot of regional carriers though that operate that cross-border freight. Like in Buffalo, the majority of carriers here, they do, they do both. Yeah. They'll pick up both. They'll deliver both. It's just part of their normal routine. But keep in mind though, if you got a carrier that's based out of like Texas and they end up in Pennsylvania or Michigan or whatever, or Ohio, don't think you're going to be able to grab that carrier and send them up to Canada because exactly. they may or may not be allowed to go there, but they also may or may not be comfortable or familiarized with that region and what the freight looks like, what it's supposed to pay and all that stuff, what to expect. So they may not want to do it. So that it, it adds a challenge. Mexico is even more complex, um, which is why you'll see a lot of border crossings with cross dock operations there. So like Laredo is a big one um, further West, like in El Paso, even over in uh, like, the Southern the California area, you'll get a lot of it where freight will literally get to the border. It'll come off of a truck, get to a warehouse, and then a US, uh, US carrier will then pick it up. So you get a lot of outbound freight that is um, coming right from those border crossings. But if you have something delivering into Mexico and a lot of people are like, hey, how do I quote this? I don't even touch it. It is so unpredictable. It is just, there's just so many variables. I wouldn't mess with it. That's what freight forwarders are good at. But I will tell you, I mean, there are people, yeah, one of our friends, Kevin Hill, I mean, that was the niche he owned. I mean, he moved all of his business to and from Canada across port, not Canada, but into Mexico. And I yeah. mean, here's the thing, why we say this, it's, you know, anecdotal and it's definitely a generalization, but, you know, if you're looking for a niche and this is one that you think you can own and you've got some relationships or you're bilingual, dig into it because if you know it and you can navigate it, you can mitigate those risks. Yeah. Why we state this is because you don't want to dabble in it, right? You ever hear the saying, you're you're smart enough to be dangerous? That's what you want to avoid. You want to be smart enough to get the freight, but not to be able to execute it. That's kind of where we're going with this. Yeah. I want to, so like, obviously we had Kevin on here. Um, we talked a lot about his regional niche that he picked. And this is also, I want to hit on the carrier sourcing side of it. So if you focus on a specific region, this is one of the benefits is a lot of carriers might be a regional carrier and they might have that wheelhouse. And when I say wheelhouse, I mean how far from their domicile or their terminal, how far they're willing to pick up and deliver, maybe a 500 mile radius, right? If you focus only on those mid length hauls, pick and deliveries in that region, and you've got a lot of carriers that service that region, it is going to be a lot easier for you to cover freight consistently without a lot of variation across the board and over a long period of time. And that is one of the big benefits. And again, there are so many shippers in the United States. There's so much freight in the United States. You can pick a geography and an industry to focus on. And that's exactly what Kevin did when he, you know, when he talked about his niche with um, the Southern freight like that. So geography, man. Um, other ones too. Let me think here. You said Casper, Wyoming, the Dakotas, for example, yep. um, Northern Idaho, people don't really want to go to. Um, what else? Parts of Nevada. There's not a lot of freight coming out of. 
Absolutely. But I think it's a good segue though, into a topic, you know, we've covered, we, you know, I called it ambulance chasing. That was kind of like how I learned it, but like, it's all done geographically. Right. Because most of the things and incidents, and we just had a hurricane come, you know, right up through the middle of the country in the past two weeks. Right. That is something that happens geographically and affects the whole geographics of the market, of where carriers are, where they're willing to go, where they're not going to go when it goes and disrupts things like that. And that creates literally opportunities in its wake for you to go and find and go and prospect to help these areas. Another point on that. So think about Louisiana, right? There's a hurricane response and people are like, oh, I can make so much money on FEMA freight. The rates are so high. And it's not just high because there's a high demand. There's also no outbound freight out of there. So that's another factor that goes into it. You're sending truckloads of goods to this area that you're not going to be able to pull anything out of. Sure, there might be a port in a certain location, but when there's a natural disaster and the port operations are halted, you are going to have to have your driver deadhead to get their next pickup. So, yeah, that's geography in a nutshell. Um We've got a, a couple of Q&A questions, and we're going to actually talk about produce in the first one, so we're going to piggyback on geography here. Um, but first, I want to mention our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. So obviously, we talk about them every single week. Our friend Trey Griggs has been on before, and he'll be on again, whether it is marketing needs, sales needs, staffing needs, or technology needs for a website, or getting bodies in seats to help you cover more freight, or do your back office, or some account managers. Lean Solutions Group has an amazing nearshore model with their three offices down in Columbia, and they can assist you with growing your office size and growing your capabilities at a fraction of the prices of a cost to hire folks in the United States. So check them out at leangroup.com. If you got specific questions, let us know. We use Lean ourselves. They built our website. They're helping us with our marketing efforts. And if they can't do something specifically that you want, they can refer you to one of their trusted vendor partners, which they've done even for us with our Google what analytics or Google something, something that they're not, they're not the best at. They hooked us up with the best. Yep. Took them out at leangroup.com. All right. The first question for Q&A is what produce is popping up now that it's fall? So let's think geography, right? Um, so first up, we'll, we'll hit on, we're going to hit on like pumpkins and Christmas trees in a second here. But think about where has produce shifted at this time of year, right? As it cools down in the fall and people are not, so you're not going to have Idaho doing your potatoes and onions like they were doing before. You're not going to have all your stuff in Pennsylvania growing in the wintertime like it normally does, right? You're going to have stuff shifting back down. You'll have more produce coming out of Mexico through the the Canadian, or sorry, the Mexican border crossings into Texas um, than you would during the summer times, right? So your avocados are coming up out of Mexico in the, in the late fall and the wintertime and other stuff out of the South. Um, but specifically nationwide or countrywide this time of year. Yeah. Here's some produce, pumpkins, Christmas trees, frozen Turkey, which is not produce, but what do you got? You, you research. Now it's going to go through our produce calendar we have on our website. So you got some various apples that are coming into season. Um, corn technically still in season into October. Lettuce is pretty much in season all year. Melons are picking, are going to be kind of tailing off towards October, but pears are picking up, pineapples are picking up, pumpkins are picking up. Yep. And what you got to think about too is, um, and our calendar doesn't break down specifically where, but those are big harvest seasons. And you'll see on that calendar, some of the stuff is year round. It's just going to shift where it's actually being um, grown and harvested, but pumpkins, right? Halloween, 
fall, people are buying pumpkins and they are, they go like crazy this time of year. Okay. So think about that. The other big one I always like to talk about is Christmas trees. And this is the best time. If you're not already prospecting Christmas trees, do it now. Okay. These companies that grow, these farms that grow Christmas trees, they're not shipping them on December 20th, right? They're shipping them in early November, if not late October in some cases, and they're putting them in their nurseries and all that stuff. This stuff is all about to pop up now. Um, it's a great question though for produce. All right, next question. Is it worth traveling to prospect in person? Uh, we've talked about the in-person prospecting before. I'm a big fan of balancing in-person and the payout of it versus your virtual, which would be phone and email, which you can hammer out a bunch of them with no limitations with a, with a lower turnout. Um, I say my thought is you, it should be a part of your repertoire, but you should have qualified them in my opinion before you. And I've done a lot of door knocking in my career in different industries. Like the amount of time it takes versus what you get in return, I think is pretty lopsided compared to some other ways. So if you've qualified them, and this is just my opinion, I qualify them first. If I've had two conversations, maybe three, I'm going to schedule that. And also I'm going to prospect in a tight geographical area so I can do more than one meeting. Yep. And usually when I leave my house, I can talk, you know, touch two, three of those in an afternoon. Yep. And if you're going to, if this is your first time doing it in person, start locally to yourself. Don't waste the time and money to go fly to Arkansas to go hit up Walmart and try to knock their corporate door. It's going to, it's not going to work out well for you. And plus like anything else, right? The more you do it, the better you're going to be at it. So expect to need some practice getting face to face and having these conversations. I I, I do love customer visits in person though. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. I know the question was on prospecting, um, but you can always prospect your own customers, right? when it comes to trying to grow your business within that company. Another thing too, is if your customer invites you to a trade show or something like that, um, that could be a possibility to meet other potential companies that are in alignment with what they do. Right. And that's a good example of why you can, uh, why you'd want to travel for something like that. Um, all right. Next question. How do I find carriers that have a hazmat endorsement? Um, there, I have a couple answers to this. So a good TMS will have a, um, some way of tracking if your carriers that are already in your network, if they are hazmat endorsed or not. So that's important to make sure that your TMS does track that if, um, if you do work with hazmat. There, I do believe, I mean, you could, you could always ask the carrier, do you guys have a hazmat endorsement? But I believe the care, a lot of the carrier onboarding tools will allow, uh, allow you to pull that information. So like even in like FMCSA, if you do a company snapshot of a carrier by MC number, there's a hazmat box with a little X next to it if they are hazmat endorsed. So that's another way to be able to verify that. Yeah, there's a, there's a few different products out there. And to be honest, a client of mine is developing one right now that I think we're going to be able to offer soon once they get it up, probably in the next two to three months. Um, but it's going to allow you to basically search through the FMCSA faster, quicker, similar to what carrier list does. And, you know, fleet sync is, I think another one that allows you to source carriers based on their endorsements and their equipment type. And basically all that information needs to be registered regardless. So it's available. It's just, how do you sort it? How do you organize it? And how do you reach out to these people? Yep. Love it. All good stuff. All good stuff. Um, cool. I mean, sort of a brief episode today, but I mean, that's geography, you know, definitely check out the show notes. You can get a link to all the DAT products. You get a link 
for the Freight Broker Basics course, a link to the coaching course. And remember, you get a free month of coaching if you join up um, for if you sign up for our course. Um, I do want to finish off here and I want some predictions on the Bills game, the Steelers Bills game on Sunday, Ben. What what is your do you have a score prediction? Uh, what's the over and under? Six and a half. Bills are favored. But no, what's the over and under? Oh, oh, um, that's a good question. Let me pull it up here. The over, over, under. Let's see here. Uh, Bills versus Steelers. One o'clock Sunday in Orchard Park, New York. Okay. Bills are being given a six and a half point spread. Over, under is 48 and a half. I'm going to go with the under. And I, I think, the, uh, honestly, I think the Bills will cover. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not even going to take the other shot of that. <laughs> I'm going to say Josh Allen throws three touchdowns and we get two rushing touchdowns plus a field goal. So that would give Buffalo, I think, 38 points if I did my math correct. Um, I give the Steelers maybe two touchdowns, two field goals. So is that 20, 38 to 20? That would be the over. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows, man? Who knows? We'll see. Uh, good stuff. Any, any closing thoughts here? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Until next time, week one, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.